Hello, and thank you for listening to Feminist Coffee Talks, an ongoing conversation about modern feminism. My name is Maya, and our other co-host is Lily. Today, we will be speaking with the one and only Kimberly Jensen from Western Oregon University's History Department. So let's dive right in. I'm I'm very delighted to see you both, and thank you Good. so much for inviting me to participate. Oh, yeah. you're so welcome. You're tell the me first person I thought of. Oh, tell me what's <laughs> happening with both of you. Would you like to go first, Lily? Um, what has been happening with me? Just working at Abby's house, taking lots of classes. I'll graduate this year, so that's exciting. It's um, very exciting. Yeah, I think that's pretty much it. That's a lot. <laughs> yeah, that's a lot. <laughs> um, I'm starting my first 30 hours of observation in a high school English classroom with a professor I had for young adult literature in a diverse classroom last year. So that's been really awesome. And I think she's the coolest. Oh, that's great. <laughs> Where is it? It's on uh, Zoom. Sorry? Is it on Zoom? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Which is really nice because it's Wilhelmina, so it's about a half hour away in Salem. Um, and I wouldn't be able to have five hours of observation in a week if it was in person. So yeah, there's a silver I, lining for everything. You know, I'm telling everyone that when you make applications to school districts and for grad school and for jobs, that you have a paragraph about resiliency in COVID. Mm -hmm. very intentional about saying you know yeah. these, are the, these are the ways that I you know this is what I learned and this is how I coped and I'm 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 really serious about that I think that's mm -hmm. important to be intentional um but let's just yeah. start off by um introducing ourselves so my name is Maya I am a peer advocate at Abby's house this is my second year here um, our co-host is Lily. I'm also a peer advocate at Abby's house, and it is my first term. Yay! And today with us, we have Professor Kimberly Jensen. Anything you want to say? Thank you so much for the invitation. This is my 27th year at Western. Ooh, <laughs> okay. Um, you are a history professor, correct? I'm a history professor, and also uh, because we have our wonderful gender studies minor, I always say I'm a history and gender studies professor. Yay! Um, I actually had the pleasure of being in Miss Jensen's gender studies classroom last year, I believe. Um, and Lily, you also have a personal experience, correct? Yeah, so I was in her history of gender class last year, and then I hope to be in the, the second sequence of that uh, next term. So that'll be mm -hmm. exciting, yeah. That's exciting. It's just been my pleasure to work with you both. Yay! <laughs> um, so with all of this gender studies knowledge you have, I'm sure feminism plays a big role in your education and how you educate your students. Um, and the 
the word feminism, I believe, um, brings up a lot of different emotions and definitions for different individual people. So I guess our first question is, what is your personal, personal sorry, <laughs> definition of feminism and what does that mean to you? My personal definition is really one that many, many people have developed. Uh, and then I've also kind of added on to that as I've had more experience and as students and others have taught me as well. So feminism is really the recognition of discrimination based on gender in a particular system or community or society. And then part two is taking action to address that. So, you know, that's a definition that activists and scholars encourage us to really think about that we, we, um, we want to make sure that we're, we're recognizing that, but also that we, we try in our own lives to do something about that. And mm -hmm. over the years, I've come to realize that for me, part of that is also recognizing intersectionality, that uh, all the different parts of our identity and thinking about the way that privilege uh, works through those. So intersectionality is another important part that I think we, we need to consider. And then I also think that if we look historically or if we look in our own society, that we want to understand discrimination on the one hand, but also resistance on the other. That if we if we try to understand a current situation or historic situation without trying to uncover both of those, I think we're, we're limited so that we don't want to ever only celebrate, um, you know, we never want to forget the discrimination, but we also want to, you know, take note of the very important resistance that people in groups have, have um, employed. So those are some additions that I, that I have to the basic formula of, recognizing discrimination based on gender and gender identity and taking action to resolve that. Mm -hmm. um, I guess an add-on question to that would be, how do you see feminism being expressed in the classroom or being a feminist being expressed in a classroom or do you? Because it's such a part of me, I can't separate that from who I am and from how I, I, how I teach. I love that. And I don't, so I, I, I want very much to have a classroom that is uh, a place of discussion and, and shared views, but um, I, I have the privilege of um, addressing subject matter, for example, in the class that we've had together, gender issues and history that you know, it's to, to address how complicated that is, this is, but also to uh, be myself in that process. So um, I, I think that's different from um, taking a personal political stance at a particular time, mm -hmm. um, but it's just the air I breathe, I guess. So I, I feel that. <laughs> I feel that on a personal level. Mm -hmm. And so you already touched on this a bit, obviously, but there's this myth that feminism is strictly for women. So how do you dispel that myth in the classroom? And then just overall, how do you feel feminism applies to all genders and then the field of gender studies? 
Well, I think that um, part of what we we want to do is to uh, address the wide spectrum of gender identity and the non-binary, mm -hmm. uh, but also um, my hope is to try to uh, have people think about that feminism is also about human rights. And if we are committed to the idea that unless everyone has their rights, no one really does, that we're all in this, all humans are in this. Something that I have found to be important and effective in my, in my research and teaching is to talk about male allies. So if we talk about the Seneca Falls Convention, we talk about Frederick Douglass being there. When we talk about the achievement of votes for women in Oregon in the 1912 campaign, we talk about Pike Davis, who was you know, head of the Men's Equal Suffrage Association. And, and to think about the ways that, you know, we, we want to understand that and that's that's a um, sometimes an eye-opener for folks because they might think well male allies it's a kind of a new thing mm -hmm. we are grateful for uh, all the allies uh, and if we're thinking about you know in a binary we're thankful for the male allies too but you know um, it's important to see that that's that's the case historically and and that uh, you know, you're building coalitions along the way and, and coalition building is, is really, really important. I'll probably say that about 80 times today, <laughs> but I think that's really true. And so, you know, allyship or uh, what some people are calling being co-conspirators these days, allyship means, you know, a lot. And, and um, there are ways that allies and co-conspirators can, you know, assist one another and work together organizationally as well as I think intellectually. Yeah, definitely. Awesome. Mm -hmm. So earlier in our conversation, you've mentioned that you've been teaching at Western Oregon University for 20 plus years. Um, that's awesome, first of all. Uh, but I'm curious, has your definition or how you've expressed your, your um, feminism changed or adapted? I think earlier when I talked about adding intersectionality and always mm -hmm. emphasizing uh, discrimination and resistance. And I would be, I, I want to say too, that one of the best places for that is uh, my, my colleague and dear friend, Jan Dilge, created an exhibit at the Oregon Jewish Museum Center for Holocaust Education. It's one of their permanent exhibits and it's called Discrimination and Resistance. And it's, a, wow. it's such an important, they have exhibits that you flip so that you have discrimination on the one side and, and resistance on the other, and it's, it's really powerful. Mm -hmm. I would also say that um, I, and part of this is because my own research has, has come to look at women in Oregon and, and the commemorations of voting rights anniversaries, but I guess I feel uh, that part of what I've, I am even more committed to doing is to sharing that information in the classroom, but also sharing that and sharing that in my, my written research in the books and articles that I publish, but also getting out there and putting that out in the community, doing public presentations, uh, supporting students who have done that. Students, as you know, have done a lot of work on that. And, and to me, 
that also helps me feel that we we are getting involved. We're helping uh, we're helping lots of people, you know, and raising questions about the past and who's been excluded from the past and those historical silences. Mm-hmm. You know about all that because that's what we do in our class. To me, that's a, uh, something that I I've been very grateful for to have that to have that opportunity because I think um, sometimes we we have a, some. Uh, sometimes we have a limited um, uh, opportunity to share that. Mm -hmm. So speaking of public presentations in the community, a new library mural was added to the first floor of the library. Could you speak a little bit about what the mural commemorated and then also why it was important? Yes, and you'll probably have to cut me off after two hours. (laughs) (laughs) So um, I am a proud uh, board member of the Oregon Women's History Consortium, and the board uh, and board members wanted very much to, you know, make plans around the state to commemorate, never celebrate, right? But we're commemorating this milepost, but also to complicate that history and to talk about the continuing barriers to voting and you know, all of that. And I, I can never have the four hours that I need to tell everybody <laughs> all of these things, right? So what we tried to do is to have a participatory history that would also convey that message. And so um, one of the things that we did on our campus uh, in the before time of COVID was to have this mural. And um, there was a lot of support and help um, the the library was really generous to allow us to, to create it there in the in the foyer in the lobby, and they were a little nervous about having us dip our hands in paint. But we but students who helped to or you know organize this said, we want to emphasize that this is about human rights and that this is a part of that process. And so the idea of posting you know having your hand in rainbow colors the the colors of inclusivity and the colors of participation. So we have the text of the 19th Amendment, which was ratified 100 years ago in in August of 1920. Oregon was the 25th state to do that. I think we put a lot of that history in. But we we figured out that we could put, uh, we could trace hands and do that with, uh, it's just a special um, plastic that then can be, uh, you know, permanent. And so the librarians went, we're, we're not going to be worried about having paint spilled in the library. It's okay. <laughs> and I was really um, so grateful for the students who came up with this and, and also for the people who participated. And you know me, I'm kind of shameless. And so we were in the library and, you know, people would come in and say, come on and put your hand. And there were a lot of people who were, who came intentionally, but there are also people who, who, who did that as well. And, and so we had, um, uh, I think a, a very powerful event because when you participate, it's it's um, the idea as Dolores Huerta says, the activist Dolores Huerta, that you have power in your person. And so mm-hmm. when you're actually a part of that, you're linking what you're doing to make our society better, what you're doing for the movement for human rights with that long, uh, you know, that long group of others. So I am particularly uh, grateful for uh, Dean Bachelor of the Library for hosting that and for uh, everyone who participated with that. 
Mm -hmm. I, I hope it'll be up there forever. Yeah, me too. Um, I was one of those people who actually got to participate and put my hand on um, that mural. And it was a really moving speech that you guys did. Um, there were a couple important people there as well, I remember. And if, if I remember correctly, you gave this amazing little um, blip for better, for lack of better words, about um, the impact that women have had on the history of Oregon University, of Western Oregon University. And I was wondering if you'd be willing to speak on that too. Yes. That was something um, that really I'd stuck with me. I'd be happy to, and I'm so glad that your hand is on that uh, on that important art and Me too. <laughs> I had to work that day. I was so disappointed that I wasn't able to. Oh. That. I'll get my hand up there sometime. Yes, I, 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 <laughs> I still have my project. <laughs> Come find me and we'll do a trace and we'll, we'll, we'll sneak it up there. Yes, perfect. Um, I, I don't recall everything that I said, so help me if there are things that I don't or that if you have questions about, but um, Western has had many names and many identities, but Western was co-educational from the very beginning, uh, from 1856. Which is incredible. It is incredible. It's, yeah. And um, beginning in, well, and I think it's also important to, to note that some of that, I, I, I can't say exactly uh, how much, you know, what the, what the, ingredients are to all of this. But part of that I think has to do with the West and the idea that these are new institutions and, and that there, uh, there are, you know, the idea of, of opportunity. Now, when we say opportunity, we have to know that this was done in the context of, you know, white supremacy. And so mm -hmm. that, that's, that's, a, that's something we have to always keep in mind, again, uh, discrimination and resistance. But um, and then in 1889, uh, Oregon was, or our institution was one of the institutions that became a normal school, which is a teacher training school. And it was largely, you know, 80% women there. And it's so fun to do research and see that somebody went to Oregon normal school and, you know, someone like, you know, Judge, uh, Supreme Court Judge Charles Wolverton was a, a student. So there were a lot of students here, women and men, uh, who then did, you know, uh, built on those careers. And one of my favorite things is that the, the yearbooks at the time were called the norm and they're digitized and you can go play in them and, and look at them and it's just fun to see that, oh. right? And um, also I, I, would, I would really emphasize that there have been many strong women leaders because of the nature of that. And so we kid about Jessica Todd's ghost in the, you know, <laughs> on campus, but she was a very um, um, strong leader and advocate for women. There was a, her role was called Dean of Women which was common in the, you know, 30s, 20s and 30s. And so that's, that's very important. Um, women have been uh, really strong uh, participants on campus, um, certainly uh, in the time that I have been here. I, I came at a time when Professor Robin Smith in anthropology and um, had started 
to and had created a curriculum for gender, a gender studies minor. And Professor Dolan and I came at the same time and we all worked on that. And that was one of the really exciting things about why I chose Western is to be able to do that. And we continue to expand that program and, and to you know, support uh, new courses on uh, queer studies and uh, on, you know, I hope someday to, to persuade someone to teach a masculinities course. We're working on that. Ooh, yeah. I'd so, take that. Yeah, so, so I think um, I, I, I really appreciate that. We have had resistance. Uh, we, we all three of us know that we're, we can expect to meet resistance for these projects Anything. because yeah. we're shaking things up and we're questioning the structure of power. So, um, but I, I think that's, an, uh, that's important. And I, I, I appreciate um, the work that's, that's being done. I know we have two history students right now who are working in the archives to help digitize this so that we can, we can know more about it. That's so cool. Yeah. And just speaking of resistance and advocacy and everything we've been talking about today, um, we just wanted to acknowledge that obviously today is November 2nd and tomorrow is the election. So pretty big day. Um, and we were just wondering if you had any closing remarks about that or um, comments about the day. I feel that it's such a privilege to work with with you and 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 with other students and i also really consider it a privilege to be engaged in research and writing about gender issues and women in the past and i'm working on a third book now about citizenship and civil liberties in, in the early 20th century and also the the idea of the surveillance state and there are some wrenching examples of horrible, horrible oppression. Mm -hmm. And there are powerful examples of resistance to that. And so I think about that we have in this way, this community of uh, activists in the past and in the present who, with whom we can relate, to whom we can relate. And if you think about, for example, since we're in 2020, the, the Votes for Women movement that still continues because with the achievement in 1912 or in 1920, not all women could vote. Black women could vote, but they also had many obstacles. So we always wanna think about the Voting Rights Act of 1965, which is now being eroded. We want to think about that first-generation Asian uh, women and men couldn't vote. They couldn't even become citizens. Um, indigenous women beginning in 1924. So we want to always think about that and that there are increasing restrictions in the 20th century on LGBTQ plus folks. So how do we measure all of those things? And so I guess my, my point is that people have to be resilient. And that doesn't mean that you can be resilient every day, nor should you be. There are days when you can't be, and that's when 
you call on that network or even the imagines network, if you will, yeah. of those in the past. I don't think, I mean, I don't talk to them. Okay. I don't, I don't. <laughs> but, but there's, but they're the record that we have of them and the, what we know about them really makes them allies with us, right? That we can understand that, you know, in some cases their whole lives were dedicated to something that they didn't quite see come yeah. to fruition and they still still they persisted right that's what the we have a i was on the board for a, a advisory board for the museum exhibit at the oregon historical society on suffrage and it's called uh nevertheless they persisted right that's the title of that so i think um i think we need to see that um there have been many people who have endured a lifetime of oppression who have continued to work, but th that doesn't mean that they were able to do that every day. And yeah. that sometimes that load had to go to someone else for a day or a week or more, and that that's okay. And sometimes there are seasons when you're doing some things and then you're returning to that. And I, I, f I really feel like that's important to, to say here and that I believe that um, human rights are um, so powerful and so valuable that when we think about it that way, we see why people want to prevent others from having that. I mean, we can see that. And I think it's just as important to realize that our determination for social, social justice is just as strong. I believe it's stronger. Mm -hmm. And so those things give me comfort uh, but also finding a way to, again, I'll use the word coalitions. I don't think I've used it 80 times like I promised, but I'm on it. I'm on that. <laughs> to say, I think creating coalitions, listening to how people who are situated very differently, who have, who are different from who we are, listening to how they're experiencing these things, being a listener um, uh, is also important at this time. That's so true. How are, you, of, how are you thinking about all of this? I don't, I don't even know if we have time for this, but I would be very interested to hear your perspectives on, on this, especially as peer advocates. Mm -hmm. Well, one of the tricky things about being a peer advocate or an employee of the university is that we can't get too political. Um, so I guess the only thing I would say is please vote to everyone who's listening. Yeah. Um, I also have a little RGB descent collar necklace that I got. I'm getting to wear a lot lately. So that's all I'll say about that. Thank yeah. You. Yeah, I would just second that it's so important for young people to be voting. I feel like, you know, I so frequently meet even people in college who are so disengaged from the mm -hmm. political sphere and feel that, you know, they're too young, it doesn't affect them. Um, and we are really building a future for ourselves in a lot of ways. So just again, yes, vote, do not mail in your ballot. Um, yeah, the, the future is in our hands in a lot of ways, so. In Oregon, Roths are places where the ballot boxes are. A grocery store? Yes. I love that. Isn't that great? That's Make good. voting accessible. <laughs> Mm -hmm. 
Well, thank you so much for joining us today. It's yeah. my pleasure. I want to thank you both for the work you do to make our world better and our campus better. Thank you. Peer advocates at Abby's House just wanted to remind our listeners that we are a resource center on campus located on the first floor of the WOOC, room 106. We are a resource center here for you. We know that elections can be stressful and bring up a ton of different emotions and feelings. So if you wanna stop by, say hi, we can help you out. Thank you so much for listening, everyone. Have a great weekend.